Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103. Moments in the day Making love, hands closed, got bills to pay. Kisses, lots to steal, worth a smile. love their harmonies. That is the sound there of the rains and they're coming back to Sea Church in Ballycotton on the 24th of March and if you love harmonies too and you know that kind of Americana sound and great folk well it's a night you'll absolutely love so check out the Sea Church website and get booking for that. Now then, Finding a Voice is a super concept of a festival it's now in its fifth year and the sole purpose of the festival is to showcase works by female composers and the concerts this year feature works by composers dating 
dating back to the 1600s, as well as right up to works composed in 2023. Now, some female composers of the past were acclaimed and recognised in their own time, but many were not. Many are forgotten. Some of them had to publish under male names. Others had their work attributed to their brothers or their fathers or whatever, rather than admit it was a woman's work. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the Finding a Voice Festival was founded by Roisin Marr, artistic director, also lecturer at the MTU Cork School of Music, and her sister, Cleona Marr, artistic director and also artistic director of the Clonmel Junction Arts Festival. And the festival takes place in Clonmel each year. Naturally, with the Cork connection, there's always lots of Cork musicians flying around. So this year, the highfalutin flute quartet is one of the groups, for example, and Alex Petku plays the festival once again. So Elmarie rang him last week to chat about the festival and what he's discovered or what he's looking forward to this year. So one concert that I'm I'm in uh, this year is a duo concert with uh, viola player Nathan Sherman. So we have a few kind of new pieces under our belt, and there's a new piece written by Siobhan Cleary, which is kind of a feature of this of this concert. But we have a few new pieces in general that are kind of coming out over the next few months. So I mean, I suppose for the, with the festival, I kind of been involved for a few years now. First time I kind of played with Crash Ensemble one of mm. the one of the years, just a small part. But then I played a solo concert then a few years later, which was in lockdown. And the good thing about that is that the videos are all still up so I still have access to the full video of the concert that I did with all the new pieces for marimba and vibraphone and stuff like that. I watched that concert and I absolutely adored it and I loved how you introduced each piece and you were talking about uh, the various elements we would hear during the piece as well as about the different people who had composed them as well and like we did so much that was different in lockdown and so much that was wonderful about those lockdown times is as you said that a lot of those concerts were recorded and streamed which otherwise wouldn't happen and they're they're still there which is which is fantastic I don't know is the festival doing any recording or streaming still? Uh, I'm not sure no I suppose one of the things about that time is that um, for example that was the first event that I had for about like four months yeah um, so those pieces were on my mind for a fairly long time, which means that you kind of perform them a bit differently than you would. You know, when you're a professional musician, you're kind of lashing everything pretty quickly together. It's kind of it's kind of the way it kind of happens. Now that doesn't mean that it doesn't work well. <laughs> I know. But when you, but you know, like like often, you know, you kind of only fully learn the piece after the fifth performance. You know, so this kind of felt more like kind of being back in school when you're going to spend ages learning a few pieces to make them really good, and you know, you have a, a fairly long lead up time compared to normal. One of the concerts I was reading that you're doing has this viola, percussion and electronics. And like that sounds like a, a wild combination. Yeah, so I suppose that's in um, Siobhan Clear's new piece. Um, so I think the electronics kind of, kind of um, expands the sounds of what we have. Um, so adding reverb, maybe bringing in elements that we would have done earlier in the piece, kind of back in through a kind of a track. Um, so that's kind of, I suppose, a feature of that piece, really. Like we said earlier on at the outset, and I was saying in the introduction earlier on of the programme, the platform of this particular festival is that it's finding a voice for the lost voices of many female composers who were lost in time, but also giving a voice to female composers, which is as important now, I think, for contemporary voices as much as discovering or reigniting names from the past. Like for for you as a musician, do these kind of conversations happen? Is it anything that's kind of high on the agenda? I suppose me personally, when like, for example, the, the previous concert where I did all the solo solo pieces, I, you know, I had to kind of like research a bit to kind of find pieces that I liked and that kind of, um, you know, that I thought would all fit together. Because nor- like normally, I suppose you can just pick pieces that, you know, without, you know, you'd have you'd have less limitations. But it's kind of nice to be out. So I had to find a lot of new stuff that I didn't know. And, I, and some of those pieces I'm kind of still playing. Yeah. So it was a great opportunity to find new pieces. That's kind of my take. Is that kind of, that kind of answer your question? Yeah. It was a motivation driven to kind of seek them out. You know, the onus was on ye as musicians to say, OK, the, the agenda is everything must be by a female composer. And I guess that is how works get platformed or voices get heard and people get a chance to have their work showcased and performed by professional musicians and taken on tour and celebrated in a festival. Especially this particular concert, like as I said, a lot of the pieces are new um, and so we've kind of commissioned them, myself and and Nathan. 
Now, we are playing one piece by Rebecca Saunders, which is not a brand new piece. That's one thing where we didn't have like the composer involved in creating the piece with us. But the other piece, so um, Siobhan's piece, Anya Mallon's piece and a few others, they're kind of were written with with us in mind. That's so, so great, yeah. isn't it? I love that kind of musician composer collaboration because if something it's like people, you know, in the world of theatre can write a play specifically for an actor. They can picture playing their part. You often hear movie directors or movie writers who talk about writing a part specifically for someone. And it, the same happens sometimes with composers and musicians who have somebody in mind for a style or particular connection they have. And, and it's exciting to be part of that. I mean, I'm sure for you as the musician, then knowing that something has been created or inspired by how you might approach it is kind of a buzz, really. Yeah, it's fun. All right. Now, I suppose what, one thing that um that, that I, I like and like if I, I know if I if I'm writing a piece or one one of the best things that could happen is if somebody random that you don't know ends up playing it. You know? <laughs> yeah, because 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 then it has legs beyond just like what would the initial thing was. Yes, yes. Because um, so, sometimes if you write a piece of music with like one person in mind and that only that person can play it, it won't have that many legs. Sometimes, mm. so I so I think that's why I kind of really like the video, you know, having the piece of video because once they're on YouTube, other people will see them and say, "Oh, hey, I don't know that piece. Um, I'll contact the composer or you know try and get the score or something like that." And that's how kind of more videos of that piece will pop up and, and it kind of gets popular that way. That's one of the best things that can happen for a composer, really. Absolutely. Well, I, I hope that somewhere down the line, yeah. the work you're creating and celebrating and, and performing is filmed and shared. It would be yeah. great. But like, like I said, I'm not sure, actually, if that is something the festival is going to continue. Because sometimes people feel, you know, like it does reach out to a wider audience if these things are somehow also still yeah. available online. But also, I suppose, part of the whole thing of having a festival festival is they want people to say, you know what, this is worth a trip to Clonmel. People will be kind of coming from, you know, all over the country and kind of coming into the centre and making a journey of it and making a journey of discovery with the music as much as anything as well. So it begins, of course, quite appropriately on International Women's Day, which is always the 8th of March. So that's a Wednesday this year. So Wednesday the 8th until Sunday the 12th of March and all the details for the concerts, um, those with a Latin American feel and everything like that as well are all available on findingavoice.ie. Alex Pecku, thanks a million. Enjoy the festival. Thank you, Neil. Corks 96. Corks 96 FM and C103. The Arts House. You're listening to The Arts House with Elmery and Connor with you until 10. Now, we're so lucky in Cork to have a wealth of writers and writing in Cork is so strong at the moment. And here's a brand new book that's just been published. It's called... The Girl with Special Knees. And it's written by Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch. It's a novel that tells the story of the Redmond family and all their ups and downs. A story of courage, hope and renewal and the power of dreams to heal the heart. Now, when Eleanor started writing the book, she imagined it might be a story about escaping the bonds that hold us back. But as she wrote, it became a story about how courage matters and how we can find it within ourselves. As she teased out with Connor when they met the other day. It's been a couple of years since we worked together, but when we did, this is the irony of this meeting, is that at the time, I was the writer. (laughs) Now that we meet again, Eleanor, you're the writer. And I never thought I'd see the day. But when I found out you'd written a book, they say that everybody has a book in them. This is one hell of a book altogether. You've turned life into, into a very good story and a heartwarming story from what I've been told. It's the... The girl with special needs. I love the title. Her special needs is what we'll be talking about in a minute. Did you know you were going to write a book about this? I didn't really, Connor. I have to say, you know, you said there earlier, everyone has a book in them, but mm. they do say, and that's where it should stay. <laughs> um, but and I also that was amusing. But no, I always wanted to write, but I didn't know what I would write about. Yeah. I always imagined myself writing a novel, but of course, imagining yourself writing a novel, the romance of it and the, the intrigue of it, and actually doing it are two different things. And the plot. And the plot, yeah. and what would you write about, yeah. and how would you sustain it? And you have to be very interested, I think, in something to write about it for months and months and months on end and go back and edit it and edit it. You have to love your subject, really. Yeah. So but you were more invested in this subject rather than 
this was something that had happened to and you were yeah. reinterpreting it. Yes, absolutely. I was and am very invested in this story yeah. because essentially... You're talking it's, about your daughter. Exactly. Yeah. It's the story of my daughter. Lauren was born 30 years ago with CDLS, which is a very rare syndrome. It affects about 1 in 50,000 births mm-hmm. and it is life-changing. Not a nice syndrome. What syndrome is nice, I suppose? But Lauren would not be able to speak. She'd still be in nappies. She'd drink from a beaker or a bottle. She can only have pureed food. And over the years, she would have had pneumonia. She would have bronchial infections. She would have reflux. She would have had anxiety and suffered from anxiety. She used to sort of pick at her face when she was anxious. Very hard to know sometimes what is wrong with her. Is it something physical or is it something emotional? So the road, I have to say... In patches was hard. When a child is born with a disability, I suppose you have to reimagine your future because it's not going to be the future that you wanted or expected. And that takes time to do that. You can spend the whole of a year imagining a new world and a new life coming into it, you know? Exactly. And, you know, as I, as I often tell this story, I was sitting on the couch one day looking at Lauren at her face and saying to my sister, she's such a dreadful life really you know she's so distressed it's hard to watch and my sister said who knows maybe in another universe maybe there's a sort of an alternative life out there that she's also living because they often do say that that we live many versions of ourselves (laughs) which is a nice idea isn't it because if this version in this life isn't great maybe you're somewhere else having a ball (laughs) and that idea stayed with me and I, I always wanted to write about my experience but not from a misery point of view not about how hard it is and how difficult I wanted to write about something hopeful and something fun and I did then realise that if I could transport Lauren into another world and give her jobs to do and journeys to take on what fun she might have and she would have another alternative life as I often said if only in my imagination but it's better than nothing and that was the start really of the idea I mulled it over for a good few years after that and when I eventually sat down to write the first page in Shirkin Island at a writing workshop (laughs) I, I, I was kind of forced in a sense into writing that first page because Connor I'm very good at ideas but it's translating the ideas into reality is the hard bit which is probably why it's taken me so long but I sat down and she said write that first page and I wrote that first page and I called the child because it's it's a fiction story I called the child Doll and I wrote that first page about this character Doll and when, when that page was written I knew then that I had sort of captured a little character and I wanted to take this little character off as I say into another world and I wanted also to write about the mother's experience of a child with a disability or or more importantly a child in distress because and I've often said this Connor that the disability is a tough one but it's the child's distress is the real that, that's what's despairing. It's, it's not so much the disability, it's more the emotional distress that the child maybe doesn't have joy, and that's heartbreaking. A disability can have its good moments in the sense that, you know, children who have a disability can often smile and have joy. Mm. Lauren didn't have a lot of that, really. Mm. We only got glimpses of it. So I just wanted to create that experience for her in my head, and hence the story of her family and her journey. It's extraordinary what the imagination can do and I think it opens up spirit, hope, <laughs> even kind of a small religious experience as well when you think about it and belief, you know, in humanity True. because there's a lot more than meets the eye going on and we, we all know that, you know. And in a way you've captured this with this book. People who've read it, they've got their own worlds and their own stories as well. Have you had any feedback from other people who said they needed to read this? Well, it's funny. People have read it who have no real experience of children or, okay. you know, with disabilities, but they said that it took them on their own journey. 
I actually spoke to somebody this morning and she said she struggled with the middle of the book because it made her sad and she feared for where was this going to end up Mm. and she said she cried through it but she said there was such hope in it in the end but she said it resonated a lot for me in my own life and I've had other people say that that they have just exactly as you say Connor that people have their own struggles, I suppose. Because that, that's what the book is about, really. It's not about disability, anyway. It's about the struggle with life and how people manage it and how messy it is. But also, as you say, about, you know, transcending that. Resilience. And resilience, yes, yeah. and hope. And yeah. the, resilience is, maybe it's an overused word these days, but resilience is really important. And I think the characters in that book show courage and resilience. And I I think that comes across with each of the characters, but most particularly with the child, Dal. Now, it's obviously more than just a mother and daughter relationship. You've expanded it to the full family. I have. And... I got a manuscript assessment done a few years back and the editor, he was great, he said, Elner, the journey is a great story, but for an adult audience, he said, we get a glimpse at other family members, but we don't fully capture where they're at. And, you know, so he said, I think you should introduce some new storylines and some sort of just weave in a little bit more about the dad and the sister who's going on 16 and who's a bit strappy and a bit of a rebel. (laughs) And so I did. I was in the middle of book two because there is a sequel and I went back when I finished book two and I wove in some stories about the dad who in my head is Kevin Bacon so and I absolutely adore Kevin Bacon so it was easy to write stories because I could see his picture in my head he's nicer than Kevin Bacon because he's the Kevin Bacon you want exactly that's true in fact to be honest with you Connor my awful secret I cut out pictures of Kevin Bacon and put them on my vision board so every time I looked I thought oh god yeah I could write about him having a romance all right so that was my inspiration Sean Connery was my inspiration for Major Tom another character so I had pictures of him on my vision board I did love writing about Andy the 15 year old who was going out with the bad boy that her parents don't approve of but he's lovely it kind of brought me back to my own teenage years in Dungarvan <laughs> so I kind of drew on that experience as well I think you've given people a taste of what they're in for it sounds like gas crack in parts great story you've opened it right out and you're working on continuing the tale as well it's an amazing the amount of things that you've created not just Lauren but a world for her. Yes. And a family and something that is helping you and others. Well done. Great. Thanks, Connor. I love the idea of going back to them again now, breathing some new life into the characters. And you know what I love? In book two, giving Dal another adventure. The adventure is only beginning for your readers. Where do they go to start that adventure? Well, the book can be bought in Vibes and Scribes here locally, Brilliant. which have been very supportive. Yeah. Middleton Books as well. Yeah. Also, The Silver Bow in Glanmire, which Jacinta has been hugely supportive of me. And Isabel's Place, because I'm from Dungarvan originally, Isabel's Place in Dungarvan. But it's also available in Amazon and the Book Depository. I have a suspicion as to why you called it what you called it, but so people will remember the name and your name, Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch. The Girl with Special Needs, I love it. Where did you come up with the title? Well, my granddaughter used to look at us when she was three or four a few years back and said, but why does Lauren have special knees? And she would stare at her knees and rub her knees and go, but what's special about them? And we used to laugh and say, no, it's not (laughs) knees, darling, it's needs. And we had to explain what that meant. So I just thought it was a cute title. For everybody and all those special needs assistants who work out there as well, <laughs> all the SNAs or SKAs. Yes. Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch, thank you. My pleasure, Connor. Never thought I could hold so much in the palms of my hands. said that I'd be so much richer, but it was hard to understand Cause I've had gold at my fingertips time after time 
Maybe when it's bright it gets you noticed But it loses its shine Then the dawn breaks And I hear you calling Suddenly it seems to be so clear In that first light of day All this gold around Is autumn falling I'll teach you my name Before she falls again is your time is Child of Mine and if you're a fan of his voice, his music and his harmonies and his compositions, well then uh, you can hear him play quite often actually in his bar, the Bellevue which is just opposite Collins Barracks in Cork and I know uh, on Thursdays himself and Tony Davis sing and play there and I know he was there last night with Richie St John, so worth checking out the Bellevue across from Collins Barracks would be a great, great night of music any night you turn up there uh, with Aunt Kaylee for sure Now then on to movie news. Do you have a teenager in the house who's obsessed with TikTok and always making videos? I just made a TikTok this morning myself, I can't believe it. And uh, did you ever think that your kids could carve out a career or enter competitions playing to all the skills they develop doing all that editing on their phones? Well, harnessing the TikTok talent is just one of the strands of the First Cut Film Festival, which every year showcases films made by young people. And many of them do go on to work in the industry in one nature or another. Okay, and working in film in Ireland is an area that still has so much growth ahead. And we can all see all eyes on Ireland at the moment on the Oscars with superb films like On Colleen Kuhn, An Irish Goodbye, The Banshees of Inishirin, attracting so much international attention. And there's a huge new film studios complex planned for Mullingar, of all places. So the Irish Film Board every year attracts better and better projects. So the possibilities are there and they're very exciting. So this year, the first cut film festival takes place once again in the Mal Arts Centre and the Regal Cinema in Yall from the 7th to the 11th of March. From short films to feature films, workshops to panel discussions and yes, all the way to TikTok videos and films just 60 seconds long. There's something for everyone. As Festival Director Mary McGrath told Elmarie when they spoke. It is great. We're back for five days. We've grown into a five-day festival. And yes, we are screening more films. And it's a challenge this year, I really have to say, because the 2022 festival was phenomenal. It was just an incredible success. 
it seemed to have an enormous impact on everybody who was there. Our audiences were bigger. The films were amazing. So this year we kind of felt a bit of a challenge going into it. But the core of what we do is really the work that young people are making. And that's why we were showing extra films, because the quality of those films I think, and so does our programmer, Max Lacane, we both believe that the quality is just increasing again and again. And we're really seeing young people coming out of Cork City and County with enormous talent, really displaying talent. I know that things like the FISH programme in schools, which is, I suppose, God, it's nearly at least 15 or 20 years in the running now, has made a huge difference. And I know that you have uh, children who are making films in primary school and animations and all that sort of thing. And the festival has entries from children as young as 12 or even younger, right the way through to third level. You know, you really carry them, especially that level when they are sort of maybe on the cusp of taking something that was a hobby or taking something that they might have been fooling around with in TikTok or with their friends who are potentially taking their first steps forward into a career in film. So this is, you know, I can't stress enough the the breadth of stuff that's covered and that you're going to be covering in the course of the five days. Absolutely. It's very interesting what you're saying, because what does kickstart young people in trying to make a film? What gets them involved in the first place? And you're right about the FIS programme in primary, primary schools and That's having a huge impact. And there's a second factor, and that is the Cork County Council Arts Programme focused on filmmaking. And that's been going since 2006, and it keeps growing. And it's offering teenagers, really young people aged 14 to 18, an opportunity to go on, try it. And I would say, like, they have great fun. They all come out with something. They make great films, but they also, there are the ones every year, who just want to do more. They're bitten by the bug. They're just passionate about it and they go off. They take those skills and they're they're making films and they go on. Some of them to study. It's not necessary to go to college to make films, but some people do that and they're coming out the other end like you described. And there is, I guess, at that point then, there's another stepping out into the real world. And it's not easy to make a living making films it's getting better because we're really having a moment for film in Ireland, aren't we? So there, there is a lot of work out there, but it's about being savvy about where to go and contacts mm-hmm. are huge. And I think that's where festivals come in. But we also, at that level, at that age, we also provide a very unusual mentoring program. I think it's unique. I've heard of nothing like it anywhere else. And it's and this year we're able to offer increased numbers of young people at that age up to 25 the opportunity to get involved because we got wonderful project awards from the arts council ypc young people and children in the arts and they they're supporting this and also screen ireland and that means we can really shoot for the stars we're really able to bring in people with enormous experience to mentor and support young people at that stage and it's very exciting the films they make are amazing and we link it up with up-and-coming artists musicians who irish musicians who are really making a name for themselves so it's very hard in talking to you elmarie to give you a picture of what we're at i know because there's a huge amount going on there it's for all ages really I can see that. I can see that from past programmes and I can see it from the description of what's happening this year from the workshops and as you were talking about the mentoring programme, uh, special guest screenings, there's panel discussions, there's a very strong strand in music video creation and, and that'll all be screened as well. And you have Irish film screening as well, New a new strand to the programme in mm-hmm. helping children create films, almost some of them 60 seconds or less, like a minute long, Oscar For those who have submitted films and who are sort of excited or have maybe come through from primary school, finishing secondary and are used to coming to the festival for screening, they all know it's coming. It's in the calendar every year. They wouldn't miss it. But the wonderful thing about festivals like this, though, is the discovery of it by a new audience every year. And people who are listening this morning would say, oh, well, 
you know, maybe I'd go along to the festival and see, might give us ideas of what we might be able to attempt for next year. That's great. But in terms of workshops or any of the panel discussions and things, is it too late for people to get involved in any of that, Mary? Well, there are two options because, of course, the open call has closed down at that. Yes. That uh, finished last January. But there are two, uh, you mentioned the Irish films, that programme, which is called Aharu Awan, One Change, is a programme which is kind of links two things, and that is the using our Irish language, making a short film in the Irish language and making it about climate change or the environment, really broadening it out. And uh, we did provide workshops. They're available online. All of the links are up in our our programmes. It's possible to go on and just get the help. And it's 60 seconds. And we're not looking for fluent Irish speakers alone, although they are very welcome to submit their films. We want to encourage young people just to start using the Irish language in film. And of course, everybody's aware now of how beautiful that can be because of Uncalling Cune. And those films are doing so well internationally. So that's one option. The other option is a really fun one, which is, again, supported by Cork Credit Unions, who approached us and said, we want to support young people in the arts. We're a community organisation. So we were able to offer a TikTok competition and they're great prizes. It's the only part of our competition that we offer cash prizes for because you can't afford it otherwise. So this is great to be able to say to young people. And, you know, it's great at that age to be rewarded for your effort and to go on and maybe use the money to make more films. And those closing dates are coming up next week. But they're, remember, they're short, six, like you said, 60 second and we'll screen them at the festival and announce the award winners. That's just a great fun way of getting involved. It's not just for young people. I really think for adults, it's a great opportunity to see what young people are saying, what what stories they're making, to see their talent and to listen to them talk about what they're doing. And they are they're so well-spoken, interesting. I think like sometimes the panel discussions where they talk are just riveting. They're a wonderful, mind-opening, creative experience for everybody in the audience. And that is great. And then finally, there is one other thing. Our aim every year is to be inclusive. We set out really to focus on maybe young people who are in a minority and young people who can talk about their experience and really enlighten the rest of us and this year we have a beautiful panel we've called it someone like me and we've invited guests and very well-known and successful filmmakers to come and talk about their experience of making films from the lgbtqia plus community and katie mcneese is from kerry she's just making amazing films one of the kind of talents to watch at the moment uh, Francis O'Mahony, he is also really talented, has won awards at First Cut previously. And we've got Barry Dignam from IADT, who himself is an award-winning filmmaker. And it's open to the audience to participate. And it's all happening in the Regal Cinema, which is lovely. We're over two venues and the Mallart Centre and the Regal. But on Saturday, everything is free. Everything is open. You do not need a book. And we just say, whether you're young or age 12 and older, come along and enjoy the offering. It really is an exciting, interesting format and uh, place to be. Mary McGrath, we could talk for another half an hour about the festival, but I think you've given everybody a flavour of what they can expect and look forward to. As you said, the creativity and the platform that is given to young people and young filmmakers through this festival is so important to to shine the spotlight directly on them and what they have to say and what they can create. And people can find out all of the details of the programming and, in fact, how to apply for any of those workshops you just mentioned there for whom there still is a little window for people to get their spake in. Well, all of the details are on the website, firstcutfilmfestival.com and it runs from the 7th to the 11th of March. Thanks so much. Thank you. And Marie, thanks so much. Great speaking with you. The Arts House on Cork's 96FM and C103.
indulge me. That is a little bit of orchestral arrangement of some brilliant music from the movies. One of my favourite cartoons from Donkeys, Donkeys, Donkeys years ago. That is, of course, Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. And a text came in earlier on saying, uh, thanks for the recommendation on the Adams Family and the Everman during the week. It was fantastic. It belongs in the West End. It was so good. Unbelievable performances from all the cast and crew. So good. I went twice. Well, do you know what? That is just something else, I have to say. And some lovely texts as well coming in for Eleanor O'Kelly Lynch on her beautiful book um, The Girl with Special Knees some lovely comments coming in on the text line as well so we'll pass those on to Eleanor now Connor. Now um, that bears in mind the court promise coming up next Easter much look forward to every year celebrated and this year it's the three B's it's Beethoven Broadway and the Beatles so if you want to see an orchestra in action and some of the greatest singers that Cork can get their hands on also performing on stage in the Opera House come along next Easter so it starts with the first of the bees Beethoven under the baton of baton of John O'Brien and I met John at the launch during the week and when we were sitting down for a chat uh, well there was jazz playing in the background it was great because John had just given me a lesson in the life of Beethoven and a sad life and an interesting life and what he was doing around the time when he wrote one of the two pieces that John will be conducting which is the third and the fifth. The third is known as the Eroica and the fifth is the other one which is the da 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 So um, he gave me a little quick history lesson and I had to thank him as the jazz played in the background. I can hear jazz in the background, but what I'm talking about at the moment is something that's hundreds and hundreds of years old. John O'Brien, you're not hundreds of years old, okay? <laughs> but your knowledge goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. You just gave me a lesson in symphonies, Beethoven and his life. What a life. Well, yeah, we were just talking about doing, for the problems, we're doing yeah. Beethoven Symphony Number no. 3 and Symphony Number no. 5. Third one, Eroica, like it was written at the time when Napoleon was coming to power in France, and, yeah. and so he started out like Beethoven started out and it was kind of dedicated to the idea of like a hero and what could it be to be you know to break down the aristocracy and the, the, the royals and all that kind of thing new order new order yeah. and then but then um, when Napoleon crowned himself emperor <laughs> that, that put a stop to that so um, he kind of ended up ripping that apart but like so as well as that then it was also like the, he started writing it the same summer he got diagnosed with, with his deafness you know that it was going to be a profound deafness that he would lose his hearing forever and there was no way of healing it oh. this real personal thing for him as a musician when he's kind of trying to work out well what how can you be in the world as a musician if you can't hear you know and you can only hear the memories of things and you know so, so the clock was literally the ticking clock was, li- was yeah. literally ticking and you know he had to kind of stop playing the piano so much because now that he couldn't hear so well he was playing lots of wrong notes and people started commenting on it and you know in the symphony there's a kind of a real feeling of like striving through something and yeah. trying to you know push through this kind of sense as well of communal struggle that we're in this thing together and this kind of mm. sense of brotherhood about it yeah. but also like that individual having to go through this kind of really traumatic thing and the parallels between his life and history yeah and uh, and and I suppose the thing that I'm looking at then is what like why would you why would we perform this music now like you know a couple of hundred years later and mm. like what's the point of that you know when I hear it and when I listen to it like it moves me so deeply it feels to me that it's like an, a real expression of you know what it means to be human and what it means to be alive and having to like the kind of different adversities that we all have to deal with in whatever way and, and to feel that somebody else a couple of hundred years ago went through something you know and also the kind of the beauty of the bits and then the kind of like big rage of some of the bits and then the joy as well and, like joy and beauty and it's not all of that it feels so human like this whole human experience and you're inviting people to join you on this yeah. human experience. I mean, it's it's kind of mad because I'm um, like, like over the last while, like talking to some of the orchestral players about like they're so excited to play this music. The opportunity, yeah, to yeah. Play, like proper big symphonic music, and to play it here in the opera house, and you know, it, it allows us all to put ourselves there, like in you know. So, what um, weapons do you have at your disposal? Well, at the moment, I'm trying to do my homework as best as I can to try and learn all the notes <laughs> and learn all the notes for all the players and whatever they're all doing and all that. 
that. And I'm also then trying to read a couple of um, biographies of Beethoven and try and find out like what he's thinking and feeling and you know the letters that he's writing around the time and all those kind of things and trying to get some kind of feeling of background and feeling. And then what's interesting as well, like a lot of the other players will be doing similar things. And then three days before we meet for the first time and put it together and we actually rehearse and you know hopefully trust the process, magic, trust the process, trust that the music that was written so long ago actually like still works and guides us. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That that it brings us on a journey and you know and that we can share that with the audience and make some magic. You know. So who conducts the conductor? (laughs) (laughs) The the composer. The composer. Yeah, 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 yeah. My job is to try and allow him to talk through me I know that sounds really uh, um, you know you're listening <laughs> yeah. you're looking for clues yeah and trying to yeah, trying try to, to find your way through. guide and try to be, yeah. the, be yeah. the conduit to it or something you know? everything you can get your hands on you're yeah open so open. at the moment I'm a sponge for all those things yeah. so that later so that when it comes to the performance then I can kind of hone, you know, hone, that, hone that in and actually a lot of it will happen instinctively then hopefully you know yeah. the, we just go with it and do it you know the osmosis yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, go with it. Go with the flow. People will too. It's great. I think people will love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Magnificent. John, listen, that's all I wanted was just to say, well done. Cheers. Thanks a million. Now, that's just pure passion for his work. I, mean, I love listening to John O'Brien <laughs> talking about music. Oh, absolutely. And I also had a chance to talk to Magella Culler and Caroline Kay about Broadway, the other B. There's uh, two massive nights of Broadway as yeah, part of the proms as well. And then we also have the Beatles as well. So and Jack O'Rourke was mentioning that yeah. uh, the other week when he was here in studio. So It's all around Easter anyway oh, in the Opera House. Yes. And uh, that particular concert is on the Thursday of Holy Week week and Broadway is on Easter Saturday and the other one is on the following week which is the 12th and 13th, the Beatles as well so um, we'll be covering more of that next week in the programme as well when I carry on my conversations that I had on that amazing night and we will just be walking you through what the proms have an offer in the yeah, Opera House so much more on that and of course uh, Fiona Kennedy is going to be with us live in studio as well next Sunday Brilliant. so looking forward to that uh, in fact speaking of looking forward March the 8th to the 11th Asylum Productions are presenting Daughter of God in the Granary Theatre. It's directed by Donald Gallagher and it stars Megan Halley, Claire Loy, Michaela Murphy and Eleanor Walsh. It's part of an overall new festival uh, being organised by Cork Opera House in association with UCC called Neurofestivity, mm-hmm. celebrating neurovi- neurodiversity in the arts. So worth watching out for that. Anyway, the West Cork Drama Festival also gets underway in Rossmore from March the 11th to the 18th, kicking off with a skull in Connemara with Holy Cross Ballycahal from Tipperary. Drama groups coming from everywhere, from Clontar, from Mayo, and old favourites like Ballyduff from Waterford, and of course Kilmeade Drama Group as well, they'll all be there. The festival features plays from John B. Keane, Noel Coward, Oscar Wilde, Martin McDonough, and many more. So just check out rossmoretheatre.com for tickets and the nightly lineup. And in fact, from the gang that you've mentioned there, it's going to be such a high standard. A lot of those drama groups are the ones that are always in the running in the pecking order for <laughs> prizes and awards right the way around the circuit uh, and of course no one would miss Ross Moore for, for anything so best of luck to them all for that in fact I'm just looking still at the Cork Opera House website and of course we were saying how they've been relaunching the Green Room as a music venue and Alicia Leahy is artist in residence and has some fantastic gigs uh, lined up uh, but there's also some other funky sounding concerts uh, like they're calling a New York City Music Night with three gigs announced for March the 11th 25th and the 1st of April so information is all available on the Cork Opera House website and it's worth checking out. Just looking ahead to March the 25th on Saturday night in Bandon the Vanborough Quartet are coming to the Bandon Methodist Church and tickets can be got for that gig on the 25th of March in O'Farrell's or Hickey's or Bandon Books or online via Eventbrite and they'll be joined by Maria Gaynor and they're playing a gorgeous programme of Beethoven and Brahms. Oh, it's all the bees again once again. <laughs> Listen, that's it for myself and Connor. We're out of time. Thanks to those of you who've been texting in. We're gathering all your messages there and indeed to all our guests who joined us on the programme this morning. The podcast will be up later on. We'll be back next Sunday. Have a great, great week. The Arts House with Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes, the great taste of home. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.